from Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job transition. I would recommend, number one, before you make that transition, if you can, to start building your digital presence. Today on episode one of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Philip Van Dusen. In Philip's last job, he was head of design at a Fortune 100 beverage company. Philip went from a senior executive position in a large corporation to become a recognized expert as an entrepreneur in the digital arena. Listen to how Philip discusses his steep learning curve in his new role as an entrepreneur and what he did to develop the new skills he needed. You can find out more about Philip and all of our episodes at goingsolo.smashingtheplateau.com. If you are building your own business after a late career job loss, let's talk. Go to our website at smashingtheplateau.com and click on Schedule Time with David to speak with me. Now, before we jump into this incredibly important topic with Philip, I have to talk about our marketing team at CastSource. As you know, we want to improve the lives of as many people as possible that deal with a late career job loss. CastSource knows how to build connections with our audience through amazing content marketing. It's reassuring to work with a team that gets us. Everything the CastSource team produces is top-notch and does exactly what we need. We highly recommend the CastSource team and their content marketing services to you as you develop your marketing strategy. They'll help you with the creative and the execution of the creative. Learn more by visiting kazcm.com. That's K-A-Z-C-M dot C-O-M. Now let's welcome Philip Van Dusen. Philip is the founder of Verhal Brand Design, a brand strategy, design, and marketing agency based in New Jersey, in the USA. As a thought leader, Philip shares his experience in marketing, design, and entrepreneurship on his YouTube channel to his 170,000 subscribers and in his Brand Muse newsletter, which is considered a top branding industry publication. Philip, welcome to the show. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on. Philip, you had a long career in corporate, and then you started your own business. How did that come about? Well, I, you're correct. I started off actually as a fine artist, but then moved to um, into the fashion industry. A lot of my skills were kind of transferable to that. And I spent about 20 years in the fashion industry on the corporate side and then moved over to the agency side doing brand strategy, brand development, brand identity, and marketing for Fortune you know, 100 clients with some big um, global agencies. And then I moved back over to corporate, working with one of the two major uh, soft drink megaliths of the world, to all doing um, creative management. So um, managing design departments and design initiatives across those, across both corporate and the agency side. Mm. And what was uh, sort of the um, highest level position that you had reached in corporate? Uh, I was a vice president of global design for uh, for snacks for PepsiCo. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a pretty significant role. Yeah. And what caused you to start your own business? It seems like a big shift. It was a big shift. And I had been, you know, going the agency life and the corporate life at at that level in marketing is very intense. And I'd been doing it for about 25 years at that point. And I had some personal stuff going on with my 
my parents' health, and I had been, you know, moving across the country a few times for for some uh, employment opportunities, and I had just reached a point of of burnout. I just really kind of started to question whether I really loved what I was doing anymore. And the intensity of the roles, the number of hours, the amount of travel was starting to take a toll on my own health. And so I took the opportunity and just decided to step away for a while and decided to take some time off. Mm. So the decision was yours. It was proactive. It wasn't like you were reacting to getting getting the push from an employer. No, I didn't. I didn't get the push. It was really it was somewhat self-deciding, but also my my body was just telling me it was time to take a break. Um, I really had met a point of burnout and just needed to take some time off. So it was kind of a combination of both those things. Mm. And how common is it for someone at the level that you were at to voluntarily decide, I've had enough, I need a break? Well, you know, it does happen with a lot of people. I can't speak for anybody else, but it was the right thing for me at the time. I mean, it was, I can't say that it was a super planful decision. It was, uh, you know, brought about by some events that weren't expected in my in my family. And uh, so I had to adjust with what was being handed to me in a, to an extent. And how did it feel once you were not either, you know, going into your office as an employee or, or whatever you did on a regular basis, but how did it feel like day one when you were out on your own? It was incredibly uh, disorienting, I have to say. You know, when you're operating at a, a senior executive level and managing, you know, dozens of people over multiple divisions, and then suddenly you're spending the majority of your time in your home office, it's a real wake-up call. <laughs> and I realized that, you know, I'd been spending, you know, decades building other people's brands, and I suddenly realized that I had not spent much time building my own as far as being, you know, an independent person. And so that was really my real wake-up call in terms of the the amount of work I had to do in order to prepare myself for entrepreneurship. And I think the other you know big uh, transition psychologically that I made is that you know when you're when you're working at that kind of level, there's a lot of you know industry recognition that comes your way, and and you over time develop a great deal of uh, kind of your self identity wrapped up in your title and the company that you work for, and suddenly that kind of all goes away, and so figuring out who you are as an individual and um, what your place in the marketplace is is took a lot more of a psychological uh, kind of transition uh, period than I thought. And that for me was the kind of the biggest, the biggest shift was that kind of change in mindset. What did you call yourself on the first day that you were working from your home office? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is I actually took, when I took time off, I decided to actually take time off. So I took a year off and you know, I'd been compensated well enough over the years that I could afford to do that. And I did a lot of informational interviews and um, explored entrepreneurship, other people who I knew who were doing entrepreneurial sorts of things, both in the agency creative professions, as well as in more kind of product development and and the, the artisan craft space. And 
so I just really, I really took some time to kind of reconsider what I liked about what I had been doing and what I didn't like about what I'd been doing. And when I came out of that year, I'd been having a lot of conversations with people and I'd been talking to an old strategy partner partner from of mine who I used to work with at a agency. And we had been discussing a lot about craft in America and the resurgence of artisanship in product development. And we decided to start an e-commerce company together. So we basically built a brand from scratch, you know, naming and website, product development, and ran that for about a year. So I essentially started off in a partnership doing a physical products uh, company. And in that period of time, I I was exposed to a, doing a whole lot of things hands-on that I hadn't been able, I hadn't been tasked to do for decades, building websites, you know, hand designing brand identity, naming brand strategy, marketing, email marketing, email list building, all that sort of stuff. And I realized in doing that and building that brand that I, that number one, I had not been doing a lot of that stuff and really didn't know a lot of about hands-on digital entrepreneurship. And number two, that I really loved it. And so it rekindled in doing that. It really rekindled my love of building brands and, and what I knew I loved about branding and marketing. But at the same time, I realized and was hit in the face with how much I didn't know about this very new environment that I'd kind of moved my way into. And so we ran that business for about a year. And then both of us decided that the physical product world wasn't exactly what we wanted to do. So we decided to shutter it. And that's when I went off on my own and opened my consultancy. I kind of re, um, it had rekindled my love of branding and I decided to become a consultant and work in a digital agency kind of a partnership model and do branding, identity, design, uh, social media marketing, uh, professional career coaching, uh, new business development, things like that with my clients. But on a scale that where I wasn't working with you know, the Fortune 100, I was more working with small to medium-sized businesses who could really benefit highly from the type of branding methodology and and marketing work that I was doing with these much larger clients, but I was now applying those methods to smaller companies to really help them. Companies that never would have been able to afford, you know, a $250,000 branding project from some global agency, I figured out ways to kind of scale down uh, that activity and so I could bring it to them to really benefit their businesses. So that's kind of what I'm focusing on now. Mm. So it also sounds like what you're doing now was not your initial plan, that it was a plan B or maybe plan something beyond B. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always loved uh, branding and design. It's what I've done my whole career. You know, when I met that kind of burnout point, I really just had to take a step back to figure out what I liked about it and didn't like about it. And so in doing that e-commerce business, you know, I saw firsthand this whole new world of digital entrepreneurship that I didn't know existed, really, to be honest with you. And when I got in there and started really playing around with it and started meeting a lot of people and seeing what was being done in the in the digital uh, entrepreneurial sphere, it just completely lit a fire under me. And um, I have always had a lifelong uh, love of learning. And so I suddenly was exposed to this huge range of applications and methods and, and platforms that I'd never used. I had never explored. And I just, you know, dove in and took to it like a duck to water. I just loved, absolutely loved learning about all those new things. And in doing that, it just reignited my love of branding. Mm. 
And looking back on your journey, are there things that really helped you understand what you love doing most, what you're most competent at doing, and where you can make money doing those? I'm not sure I totally understood your question. Um, Yeah, I'm saying looking back on your trajectory, what you have done since you left corporate, are there particular steps that you've taken that really helped you understand what it is you love doing the most, what you're most competent at doing, and how to make money doing them? Because I I see a lot of people struggling with trying to figure all those pieces out. And particularly when their bills to pay and they, they, they have to make money at it, that that balance between figuring out the the sweet spot that feeds your soul, but also will pay your bills at the same time is often a real struggle for people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what I was being forced to do for myself was what informed what I then began doing for other people and other companies. Meaning I had to, you know, when I got out of corporate, I had a very rudimentary you know, website with a simple portfolio on it and essentially a resume, a um, couple pages. I never really had to have a website. And I knew immediately that I had to completely rebuild my digital presence from a much more robust website. I had to start developing content. I had to start getting very active on social media and uh, developing content on those platforms. I had to start you know, an email list. So I started a newsletter. I started a YouTube channel. And I, I basically built an entirely new brand, digital brand ecosystem surrounding my, my new agency. And so in having to build that from scratch, build that kind of a, a brand ecosystem for my brand, I you know, got very hands-on in in doing that and realized that there are a ton of people and businesses out there that need help um, to do this. Both people in transition, like I was, who are coming out of long careers who need to uh, suddenly take ownership of their own personal brands or their own businesses that they're building, as well as companies that have, you know, taken stabs at it, done it, done it haphazardly, done it, you know, half-assed or or badly, or over time it has gotten unwieldy for them, or over time it has gotten, you know, their brand footprint has gotten incredibly uh, confused looking across all of their different uh, touch points. And in doing that for myself and building a consistent brand environment for myself, I realized that there were, you know, I had a lot to offer with my whole experience in, in design and branding throughout my career that I could then apply to I was applying to myself and then, then I was could apply to other people for, you know, for revenue and for to build a business on. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for others going through this about when you're figuring out how to do something like this for yourself? Um, so there's a learning curve that you have to go through mm-hmm. and you obviously you're combining your own learning curve with skills and experiences you already have because you you come out of the the branding world. When you're going through that for yourself, at some point, other people may ask you for help because they realize that you are ahead of where they are mm-hmm. and you're doing things that they want to be able to do. When do you start charging other f- people for stuff that you have just learned how to do yourself? Well, when it comes to the branding and design part of it, meaning you're doing brand identity, doing brand strategy, doing communications, uh, doing brand design, doing you know website design, all of those sorts of things I had done throughout my career. So I was very, very comfortable doing those for money and had done them for money for 
you know, very large companies. So I was very comfortable doing that for smaller, for individuals and smaller companies. So that core skill set was, you know, I felt very comfortable charging people for. I had not learned that. I had not just learned that. What I was doing was I was applying those things to a much broader range of digital touch points than I had been in my in my corporate career, meaning, you know, designing more email newsletters, designing social media channels. A lot of that is just the application of those graphics and that design and that communication, that copywriting, that strategy to a different format. That's one of the things I talk about a lot is that, you know, it doesn't matter what format or platform you're on, the basics of branding are the same. The need for consistency, the need for a consistent look and feel, a need for a consistent tone of voice. And you design graphics, brand identity, the communication journey you are taking your consumer through, your understanding of who, you, who your consumer, your customer, your avatar is, and your ability to paint that picture for your customers. And also for me, doing it for my clients is the most important thing. And that doesn't really change. The basics of that are just applied to a different platform. So even though I was doing it for my own, for myself, on these new platforms for the first time, the basics of the things I was building were the same. So I felt very comfortable charging people for it right out of the gate, to be honest with you. I think the biggest, the biggest shift for me though was when I came out realizing all of the different kind of communication vehicles that I needed to get very active on, which I hadn't done before. And I, uh, when I, kind of was in the first few months in my in my home office when I was going through that, you know, psychological watershed moment of saying, you know, wow, it's just me now. I joined a, one of the large kind of uh, mastermind communities that are run by a that happen or that exists in the digital sphere because I realized I really had to jumpstart my learning. And so by joining one of those communities, it had about 400 members in it. I was suddenly uh, exposed to a huge range of digital entrepreneurs who were doing exactly what I was doing. Some of them weren't as advanced as I were. Some of them much more advanced than I was. And I got very, very involved in those communities and started to learn very quickly what I needed to do in order to kind of make this transition and one of the ways I was able to really uh, get involved and give back to those communities was I knew a lot about design and branding that I could offer up as you know a free barterable skill set essentially in those communities to to get to know other people and offer them value as they gave me value in sharing what they knew with me. So that was a way I really jump started my learning. And then I've been involved in a number of three or four different kind of masterminds, a couple that have broken out of that community, but then also ones that I've joined on my own, where uh, it's, you know, eight to 10 uh, digital entrepreneurs who could be working in very different kind of uh, business categories, but that we gather every week and we share, you know, our goals and there's level of accountability and level of resource sharing that goes on. That has been really uh, super helpful in you know, driving my my learning forward and and driving my uh, my skill sets forward. So that's one of the things that I did that was uh, super influential on me in the first couple of years. And then the other th thing that I would say is, you know, in doing in doing that, then starting to really, you know, plant a, a flag in in the digital sphere um, in terms of developing 
a content presence was the other thing that was the most influential for me. And, you know, if I was to talk to someone else who is about to go through this or is going through this, those are the sorts of things that I would recommend. I would recommend, number one, before you make that transition, if you can, to start building your digital presence in terms of a website or a blog, social media content presences before you make that jump. Because as you said, you know, I was lucky enough that I had a, you know, a significant cushion financially to make that transition. But for people who don't have it, that could be very, you know, a real challenge. Um, because it does take time to build up a social media following. It does take time to build up a, you know, a content library that's going to be working for you as you build your business. Philip, what are some of the, the ways in which someone can identify one or more communities to get involved in? Because there's so many different options out there. You know, clearly, you found some that have worked for you. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have on how to find those? Well, I can just explain how I did it. I mean, I was kind of lost and starting to try to figure out how to make, how to figure out this whole new entrepreneurial, digital entrepreneurial world that I now realized existed. And so I just, I started, you know, doing podcast searches and came up with Pat Flynn's podcast and then Chris Stucker's podcast and, you know, John Lee Dumas's podcast. And they all, you know, are guests on each other's shows and talked about each other a lot. So I started listening to just a ton of podcasts and that led me from one person to another. And as I, you know, listened to a particular uh, social media expert, learned what they were about, what their network was about, what they were doing, who they were teaching, what their community was, you know, I kind of, uh, I bounced around a little bit at the beginning. And then eventually you'll find someone who really, you know, kind of their message or their personality or um, their community resonates with you. And then just to give it a shot. I mean, those sorts of communities are not terribly expensive. And if you really jump in with both feet, you can find out pretty quickly whether it's a good fit for you or not. Sounds good. Philip, what's coming up for you in the near future? What are you, what are you working on now? Well, I, you know, my big focus over the last few years has been building my uh, email list and my newsletter. So I have a, a newsletter comes out every two weeks. And I also have built a pretty decent YouTube channel as you said in the intro, I have about, I think now, about 175,000 subscribers. I put out a video every week on branding, marketing, and design for creative professionals and entrepreneurs. And that's going strong. That has proven to be probably my my biggest new business engine because people come across my videos when they're searching something for their business or for their career, having to do with designer marketing, and they come across me. And then they get in touch with me directly. And so those sorts of things are what I'm focusing on a lot, as well as, you know, my clients within my agency practice. So I have a number of corporate clients and entrepreneurial clients who are either improving and growing existing, you know, significant businesses or or building and architecting new ones. So I balance my time between my content development and my client work. Philip, if somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today, check out your YouTube channel or anything else that's part of your content library or get in touch with you, where would they go? Yeah, the best place to go is to go to my website. It's philipvandusen.com or my YouTube channel, which is, again, under my name, Philip Van Dusen. So you can go to youtube.com slash C, 
slash Philip Van Dusen, you'll come up with my channel. And in the description of all my videos, there's links to all of my social channels as well as my newsletter. So that's the best way to get in touch with me. And you can reach me through my website, through the contact form. Philip, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. My guest today has been Philip Van Dusen, founder of Verhal Brand Design. Thank you again, Philip, for joining us. Thanks, David. I appreciate you having me on. When you visit the Going Solo website at goingsolo.smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today we learned how Philip Van Dusen went from a senior executive position in a large corporation to become a recognized expert as an entrepreneur in the digital arena. If you're building your own successful business after a late career job loss, let's talk. Go to our website at smashingtheplateau.com and click on Schedule Time with David to speak with me. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Going Solo to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode. Thank you.